speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Among the things I admire most about my mother is her seemingly limitless ability to make new friends. She loves people. She can't get enough. She never misses an opportunity to form a new bond or connection. It's truly a gift. And because it's truly her gift, that meant that growing up, our home was many things. It was lively, a social hub, a place where people often gathered, and it was certainly loving. But one thing it was definitely not was quiet. If you couldn't tell by this point, my mother is a screaming extrovert. An extrovert's extrovert, we might even say. So much so that she really can't abide the silence for too long. She just can't stand it. And because she just can't stand it, there often needs to be a substitute for the occasions when friends are not around. Quite a dilemma, I know. But for mom, it's a dilemma that finds an easy solution. And it finds that solution by way of a medium, I think it's safe to say, that pretty much all of us love. Music. She loves music, too. And though friends plus music would be better, music by itself in her mind is still greatly preferred over a house that is just simply too quiet. My father loves music too, and so between the two of them, there's pretty much always something playing in the background. And it's anyone's guess just who it will be from day to day, because their taste in music is fairly eclectic. Yet within that repertoire, there are certain names that are known to repeat. Andrea Bocelli being one of them. They love Andrea Bocelli. Maybe you do too. He's one of the world's great tenors, after all, so he's probably hard not to love. And though I sometimes think it's a bit cheesy to say this out loud, I have to admit that when it comes to Andrea Bocelli, I love him too. Not least because he reminds me of my parents. Thinking back on it, I have no shortage of memories where Bocelli's voice is soaring in the background, setting lyrics to flight in a beautiful way, speaking and frequently singing in no less than six different languages. His music has reached and moved millions of people around the world. Since much of Bocelli's music is written and sung in Italian, for me, his songs are some of my earlier memories of being swept up in a language that is not my own. With the exception of a few years of Spanish in high school, the only language I've ever really known is English. Sure, growing up, I'd listen and grow to love songs like Conte Partiro or Vivo Perle. But in reflecting on that experience, I know I didn't understand the words. I know that I didn't really comprehend just what it was that I was falling in love with. I just knew that someone was singing to me, 
and that I wanted very much to keep listening. If you couldn't tell already, today is Pentecost. Meaning 50th day, this great feast of the church falls 50 days after Easter and marks the descent of the Holy Spirit on the apostles following the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. It's often called the birthday of the church because it recalls and celebrates the advent of the church's mission to the whole entire world, every corner of creation. It celebrates and recalls a great outward turn for the nascent Jesus movement, a turn that would change everything. Revisiting this wondrous scene, the story of Pentecost is first told to us today by way of the book of Acts, or the Acts of the Apostles. It's a book that basically tells us the story of the beginning of the church. And to put it one way, it's a story, a moment, that begins with a bang. There's no shortage of drama here. I think it's pretty safe to say. Seemingly left behind by Jesus, by the risen Christ, the disciples are all gathered together in one place with Mary, the mother of God. They are in an upper room during the festival of weeks, and many believe this is the same room where the Last Supper took place. But as they are gathered, there comes a sound, a shock to the system. Suddenly, and without warning, a powerful wind, gale force and strength, blows through the room from a direction no one can discern. Gathering fuel, the wind, the mighty wind, grows greater still. Like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit catches the room, spreading through their ranks. And as this happens, the disciples immediately find themselves prompted to speak. But the words spoken erupt in a multitude of languages, some 15 different tongues that are not their own. Just imagine the scene, imagine it. All those people gathered in Jerusalem, devout pilgrims from all over the world, now suddenly hearing their native languages, perhaps for many, for the first time in years. So wondrous was this event that those who could now hear came on the run, rushing toward the disciples. They couldn't believe what was happening. Aren't these all Galileans, they said? How can it be that we are now able to hear them and in our mother tongues? Listen to them, just listen to them. They're calling us to God. They're speaking to us in a voice we can now hear. We didn't understand what was happening at first, but the Spirit of the Lord came and searched us out, came and called us home. Sounds pretty great, right? Sure it does. But if you're anything like me, then you've probably had a season where you didn't understand, where you could not comprehend just what it was that God was saying to you. Heck, if you're anything like me, you may find that you are often in that season, that you're in it now, that there are no shortage of moments where you feel like you need a translator to help you decipher and hear, to help you unlock the words. Recalling a time where I felt this the strongest, I eventually got to a point where I just had to walk away. Like many people, mine is a story where I had to leave the church 
before I felt I'd truly found it. Don't get me wrong, in many ways, the spiritual background of my childhood was a blessing. But when I left the church, I did so for good reasons. For better or for worse, I've always been someone with a lot of questions. And over time, I felt it increasingly difficult to stay in a faith community that continued to meet those questions with answers that just seemed foreign, that just seemed separate and apart from the Jesus I thought I knew. Skip ahead a few years later, now long after the point at which I had decided to stop going to church, I was in a small neighborhood coffee shop, singing across from a friend I'd first met when I was in college. Remembering it well, I was a few weeks into a new job and had just signed a lease for a new apartment in a new city I was still getting to know. As the hot coffee steamed from our mugs, we caught up on each other's lives. We talked about a lot of things for sure, but the topic that was undoubtedly most surprising to me was the topic of a church that he was emphatic that I should try. Now, it had been a while since I'd willingly gone to church, but my friend just wouldn't stop talking about it. So there I was, one week later, in the passenger seat of his car. Settling into our pew a little before 8 p.m., the start time of the service, the stone Gothic church was mostly dark, but it was filled with candles that flickered all around. In the chancel of the church, the raised part near the front where the altar is, there were even more candles lit, and a small bowl filled with incense wafted smoke into the air. To put it one way, from the architecture to the candles to the smoke in the air, it was church like I'd never seen it. But it was also a space that felt clear to me, an outsider, that it was holy, that it pointed beyond itself, that it was layered with prayer. When it was time for the service to begin, I felt wonderfully cocooned by the darkness as the choir, all dressed in black, made their way to their places. And that was it. No clergy, no processional cross, no lay readers, just a choir. And as choirs are known to do, they then sang magnificently. And they kept singing for the entire length of the service. In fact, that was the service which meant that our job as worshipers was just simply to listen as they sang. Continuing the theme of church like I'd never seen it, the music the choir sang was a form of Gregorian chant. It's basically the nighttime prayers of monks set to glorious tune, and the words are pretty much always in Latin, a language I also do not know. But gosh, it was so beautiful. From there, it didn't take long before I soon fell in love with this service, attending nearly every week. And eventually, over time, I branched out and started coming to the Eucharist in the morning, coffee hour, outreach events, and so on. Then months later, I was in the same passenger seat of the same friend's car, talking about the experience, and I said, you know, I'm really astonished to admit this, but I think 
I think I'm actually becoming a Christian. Yes, yes, if you're anything like me, you may have had a season where you didn't understand, where you could not comprehend just what it was that God was saying to you. Heck, if you're anything like me, you may find that you were often in that season, that you're in it now, that there are no shortage of moments where you feel like you need a translator to help you decipher and hear, to help you unlock the words. Thinking on this, the poet Rilke writes, be patient. Be patient toward all that is unresolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves like locked rooms and like books that are now written in a very foreign tongue. Do not now seek the answers which cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. Yes, yes, perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. In the stories I've told you this morning, there's a common experience of, at first, not understanding the words. But whether they were in Italian or Latin, whether it was a ballad or prayers chanted into the night, I knew I was falling in love with something, even if I couldn't yet comprehend just exactly what it was. All I knew, all I knew, the only thing was that someone was singing to me and that I wanted very much to keep on listening, to follow the words, even if I couldn't yet understand them. And a further lens on our Pentecost story, Jesus in today's selection from John greets the disciples on the other side of a locked room, speaking a word of peace as, the, as he then invites them to receive the Holy Spirit. But before he does, he shows them something. He shows them his hands and his sides. He shows them wounds born and made from a journey through a broken world. But what does all that mean for us? What does it invite us to take away? Well, as is appropriate on Pentecost, today at Grace Church we have a baptism. A baptism for sweet baby Andrew, six-month-old soul of six-month-old son of Callie and Mark Sawinski. And as is the case for most baptisms here, since most of the candidates are infants, as is the case, we're going to say some words over Andrew that, to be honest with you, he probably won't understand. We're going to say some prayers over him, importantly. We're going to pour some water over his head, waters of new life. And even though, again, he probably won't understand it, we're going to take chrism, holy oil, and make the sign of the cross on Andrew's forehead. We're going to seal him with the Holy Spirit and mark him as Christ's own forever. But why? Why do we do that? We do that because the church exists to promise him, to promise you, to promise everyone that the Spirit of the Lord is ever walking beside us. 
We do that because from day one on this earth, we are all making a journey through a broken world, a wonderful yet daunting pilgrimage where we will all get lost sometimes, where we will all find ourselves in places far from home, in places where the language is not our own and the books are written in a very foreign tongue. But God's promise through all of it unendingly is that he will never stop singing to us. He will never stop the serenade that proclaims the good news of his love. And if you don't have the answers now, guess what? That's fine. Just live the questions, live everything. Perhaps gradually and without noticing it, you will live along some distant day into the answers. Yes, perhaps gradually and over time, you will look back, look back one day and realize you'll see that through it all, Jesus was there walking beside you all the time. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.